Welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host and thank you for joining me. In this episode of EQ Above IQ, I'm going to be talking about something that is very important and really was the specific focus of my last episode of season two about creating accountability. One of the things that I said, and I will continue to say, is that accountability can solve so many problems. And I want to really break down what that word accountability means. I'm going to be referencing a a text that I got from Six Seconds because I was looking around and researching this and I, I really love how this text explained what accountability is. So I'm going to be using that. Six Seconds is one of the organizations that I've been learning from and using for years now. I really admire the work that they do. So go check them out, Six Seconds. And that's not a paid advertisement. (laughs) It's just true. It's a really great organization. I I appreciate what they're doing and what they're trying to do to change the world to make it a more empathetic and emotionally intelligent planet. So one of the things about accountability is that we have to create accountable communication. And a lot of people misconstrue accountability as being told what to do or being oppressed because we have such an energy around what it is to be responsible. And it's pretty negative, which is interesting because that I think that's what that reference to there's always shades of gray come into play. I, I agree. There are shades of gray, but you know what? We spend a lot of time as a species creating the gray and we create the gray in order to not be accountable for our behavior. And is that our fault? Not necessarily. We have been programmed and trained to, to be amelable, to be pliable, to be nice, quote unquote, nice. And that actually creates a lack of accountability. And I'm going to break this down a little bit. So accountability means taking ownership of your life, (laughs) the successes, the failures. And there's a question that you could ask yourself. If you don't want to be accountable, that means you don't want to be in the driver's seat of your life. You just want to ride along. And I know that there are many people in, in marriages and relationships that can really relate. I, I, felt this way in my own past relationship that I was the one making all of the decisions because the person wanted always to have this wiggle room. And then I was the bad guy and then it was about control and it was this or that. But really what it was about is that I never felt that this person was taking accountability for their failures. And I just not that person to let somebody treat me in a certain way. and not take accountability. Because if you don't take accountability for your failures, you continue to disappoint and you continue to create an energy around yourself that you can't be trusted. So I'm going to break down a few reasons why we actually do this. Wiggle room. Wiggle room is that gray I just previously mentioned that everything is shades of gray. I leave wiggle room for many reasons. But if you take that wiggle room out, 
and use accountable communication, I have to make stronger commitments. I have to stand by the words that I say, and I have to follow through on both my successes and my failures. You know, it's not about being beat up because you made a mistake. It's about saying, yeah, I did that. And taking ownership for it and taking ownership for the decision. It doesn't have to be a branded, you know, mark on your forehead for the rest of your life that you messed up. But if you never take accountability, it is usually a high likelihood that you're going to make the same mistake over and over again. And you will always be in search of the gray. So it takes clarity and it takes time to be clear. That's one of the reasons why we block accountability. We have to actually take a step back and slow down what we're doing and be very, very clear and specific about what we're committing to, you know, and that might mean that there's a lot more work than we can do. Because like I said earlier, one of the things that we like to be is nice. So When somebody comes to you and asks for a commitment, you leave the wiggle room of, yeah, sure, (laughs) maybe, I'll try. I'll try is really an ambiguous statement. And, and, or when somebody asks you what is needed or asks you to help out, you don't ask for specifics because if you ask for specifics, that means you're committed to do it. <laughs> you're committed at that point to do A, B, C, and D. But if you just say, okay, and jump in, you can go and do a little bit while you're in the face of that person or look like you're doing something and then you like disappear and then that's it. Like, you know, I've been asked, I asked for years, help me decorate the house for Christmas. And they'd be like, okay. And then five seconds later, not even doing anything. <laughs> just sitting there watching me, staring up at me. And you know why? Because they didn't ask me specifically. And me, I didn't give them accountable communication. I didn't say, okay, I need you to do A, B, C, and D. So that's a failure on my part as well. So you can see how easy, because, you know, for me, I would just expect somebody to jump in because that's who I am. You know, I go and ask for specifics because that's my personality. So if I'm asked for help, I say, hey, what do you need me to do? Should I do this or should I do that? I'm always very happy to be asked to do help, but a lot of people are not. So that's another reason. That means there's a possibility that you can actually lose face with people. So if you commit to do something that is very specific and you fail to do it, people are going to look at you like, hmm, they failed. And then you feel bad about that and you don't want to be seen as a failure. So you leave that wiggle room in order not to seem like a failure. Okay. And then this is the really strange thing. Sometimes when you're asked to do something, just asking, what am I committed to? For example, to a project or something like that, that will feel like you're being kind of like a lawyer, you know, or maybe what if it doesn't go the way that you want it to go? How are you going to feel about it? You know, those type of questions are not the question to ask. Now you can ask, how can I help? Do you want me to do this or this and that? Those are questions. Of course you can ask, but being specific to the point where it seems like you're trying to evade responsibility is not what you want to do. Okay. 
asking for a specific commitment appears to be aggressive too. So I'm asking you to do something specifically. And because I'm asking you and I'm not leaving you any space to wiggle, you feel threatened. You feel like, oh my God, I'm nervous. Like, for example, one of the examples <laughs> I have is sometimes when I'm trying to schedule guests for my podcast, I get this feeling that people are trying to evade, you know, and I'm very, very, very clear. I ask for very specific things because clarity is important. Because if you don't have clarity in life, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you want to be. You're just kind of living life in a limbo stage and hope it works out. You know, you'll have enough variables in life that will come thrown your way to, you know, spin life in a tizzy. And right now we're living in a time of a total lack of clarity because things are really not our norm. You know, there's so much that is ambiguous. So when we ask for clarity now, it's even more scary for people to commit to it. So when I ask the guest, fill out that guest form, give me a date, give me a time, Sometimes I have to remind them a million times and it's because they don't want to commit even though they've said yes. Now the next stage is when, what time, and you're signing off that you're doing this. You're not going to hold me up the last minute, but you'll be surprised how quick people are to create that wiggle room. So sometimes I come off as aggressive. Okay. And I hope not. I try my best not to, but you know, I can't control everybody's interpretations. I do my best. And also ambiguity can sometimes lead to a better deal. You get more than what you counted on. If I don't get too specific with a deal with another person, then they might give me more. And that's kind of like a sneaky kind of thing too. And it happens sometimes you ask for one thing and then you get a little bit more, but It doesn't create accountable communication. If you are thinking that that frame of mind, it's a little bit selfish. These are the problems. Why we don't get accountability from people. They're always seeking this gray to protect their time, to protect the effort they have to make, to not make people disappointed, to not seem mean, to not seem aggressive. And also to see if they could probably finagle more out of the situation. And, you know, if you have these reasons, of course, it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable to all of a sudden start being accountable with your communication. And a lot of people don't even know how to do that. So I'm going to ask some questions that will increase accountability. And these, these are like kind of like checkpoints in your brain. So when you're dealing with somebody and they're asked or you're asked to make a commitment, these are just some of the things that you can ask yourself if you're having a problem. Okay. So one of the questions you want to ask yourself is, am I hiding? As I previously discussed, (laughs) am I hiding is a reminder to push yourself and others to identify specific details of the commitment. Okay. Sometimes that's called the rules of engagement, conditions of satisfaction in business. In practice, it might sound like I'm not hundred percent clear. So this is something that you might want to say in practice. 
I'm not 100% clear on what you want me to agree to. Let's talk through the specifics. Okay, huh, that's very, very clear. And some people have a problem saying those type things. Or this is one that we're going to use with our kids. I want you to clean the room. Is that specific? They don't know what that means. When they look at their room, their room looks clean. <laughs> so we have to stop expecting our kids to know what we mean and that we can read their minds. So let's get specific. I would like you to clean your room. Your kid moans and grows. Oh, why? It's going to get messy again. Oh, okay. And then finally says, okay, what do you want me to do? And I say, come on, let's go check it out. You say, I want you to put those clothes in the hamper. I want you to hang those ones up. And I want you to take the vacuum and vacuum up anything that's on the rug. That is very specific. And also it actually gives them an opportunity to succeed because I was guilty of this practice. I would say, I want you to do this, but I didn't really outline the specifics and I'd always end up going over his work and he'd see me do that. And then he'd say, well, wasn't it good enough? And, you know, and that's something that I was started becoming very conscious because it wasn't a habit of mine. It was something that like, I didn't even know about. I will be honest. My parent, she was sort of like a control freak around those type of things. And so she just did it herself. That's probably why I am not a big fan of cleaning right now. <laughs> But the point is this, as I got older, I understood the benefits in doing that for myself. So create specific communication and accountable communication so that your kids have an opportunity to succeed more than failing. And if they do fail, they know why. Okay. The next question you can ask is, am I hedging? This question asks you, to either make a commitment or not. There is not a middle ground for clear commitment. So again, making clear expectations and specifics really go a long way. But one of the things that you might need to say is no. <laughs> we have a hard time saying no to things if we are asked for a commitment. And we have within our rights the opportunity to say, no, I used to say this all the time when I was inevitably disappointed. If you didn't want to do it, why don't you just say no? Huh? You know, even when I specifically pointed out what my expectation was and what I needed to be done, but that person did it halfway or not with any type of enthusiasm that I needed in this situation. So it's much, much better to say no. And one of the things they might do to hedge is tell me, I'll try. As Yoda said, there is no try. You either do it or you don't do it. <laughs> there is no try, right? And I've had that argument back and forth with people. And it's not about saying the trying or the doing won't lead to a mistake. Mistakes happen. Hey, okay? But there's an opportunity in learning. But if you keep it ambiguous, there's no opportunity to learn. Okay. The third question you want to ask is, am I making it okay? Okay. I just mentioned mistakes will happen. And sometimes reducing your kids probability at failure, like I gave you in the last example, 
is important, especially when they're young children. Young children need more chances, and it's not nice, <laughs> of course, and it's a totally uncomfortable feeling to confront somebody with their failures, but it's necessary. It's so necessary, especially when you pointed out what you needed to them very specific for that commitment. If you don't do that, they're going to think that their work was okay. You're giving them a pass and creating a gap between your kids. Like for example, sometime I have my kid doing some tracing exercises on certain things and he hates to do it because he feels like at this age, he should be old enough to write. But the truth is, is that he hasn't been taught how to write properly here in Amsterdam. And a lot of the children in my course, I noticed the same exact problem, like totally illegible writing. And it's due to the increased use of computer keyboards at school, but writing just read this amazing study that writing actually engages the brain in a way that helps them learn cognitively and retain information. So if they're not writing and they're not learning to write in cursive or even block writing, they're losing a, an opportunity to learn and really engage their brain and really retain what they learn. It's really interesting. After I read this study, I, I got this request for permission that if my son could be in a study regarding writing. Anyways, I have him do this writing from time to time because I told him, I can't read what you're writing. I say to him, if you don't get done by this time, you can move on to this. I give him a little bit of an out because I know that he'll continue if he knows there's an end point. That's how I give him a little bit of a wiggle room and a little bit of a gray. I give him a time frame. So that's something that you can do with your kids too. But if you don't hold them accountable, if you don't hold yourself accountable, you lose opportunities to learn. Okay. And the fourth question, of course, is am I supporting learning? This is an essential reminder about the real purpose of accountability. It's about growth. It's about growing as a person in both intellect and abilities, but also in integrity and follow through. One of the things that in this amazing course that I'm taking that the professors pointed out is that one of the things that keeps people out of the tribe or one of the things that could kick people out of the, the community is the feeling that they are takers or that they are moochers, that they don't, they're not reciprocal. And if you teach your kid accountability, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way they're not going to be the moocher. They're not going to be unable to reciprocate give and take, you know, but if they're constantly taking, that means they haven't been held accountable for their failures. They've just been given a pass over and over and over. And one of the statements that get on my nerves and that I heard throughout my whole relationship with his father was, it's not a big deal. That is one of the biggest gaslighting statements a person can give you. It's not a big deal. And the reason why is that creates the wiggle room to get away with the lack of responsibility and accountability. It may be a big deal to me, 
It may be a big deal to someone else. It may not be a big deal to you, but that's not the point. The point is you made a commitment to do it and you said you would and you didn't. That's what the deal is. So those are the four questions that you can, or checkpoints you can ask yourself when this accountability piece comes up. And like I said, in the first episode of season two, I talked about this when it comes to the culture and how we are operating with each other. We have to go back into history and really take an account of what was done to us, both physically, emotionally, economically, in every way in order to fix the problem going forward. And we have to do that with our kids and we have to do that with our own inner child and our upbringing. What was done, what was said, what created the person you are. But the most important thing about that is that we cannot begrudge that journey. I saw this really great quote and the gist of it is that you can't hate the things that happened to you to make you the person that you are now. Because that person that you are now is listening to this podcast and trying to be the best version of who you want to be. You want to be the best version of yourself because it's in there. It's you. It's in your, it's going to be a part of your parenting, emotional intelligence. It's important. You are on the path. And the one thing that is actually ambiguous is life. It's an ever changing cycle. It does have some grays, but don't put the grays in there. The grays will always be there anyway. Communicate clearly. Know what you want to do with your life. Create clarity and handle the the oops and the bumps as they come. But don't make them excuses. Don't make them the excuses for you not to succeed at what you want to do. Sure, there are some really tough obstacles that Certain people go have to have, particularly people of color, have a m- far more obstacles, but it doesn't stop you from moving forward and it doesn't stop you from doing what you want to do in your life, creating the clarity, creating the purpose. So creating the learning, keep learning people, keep going forward in your life and be accountable, accountable for it all. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and being who you are and trying. I used the word try. No, not trying. You are being an EQ parent. As I mentioned before, I'm in the midst of creating a module-based program. It's a lot of work. I'm enjoying every bit of it. Hopefully that'll be coming around the corner soon. And I will admit it's a bit intimidating, but I really want to make it, I want to make it for you guys because I want to create a step-by-step daily and weekly program that you can use to remind yourself. And in the meantime, you can go to thisreallifebooks.com, get yourself a gentle reminders t-shirt to be kind to yourself. You're, you know, you're healing your inner child or some t-shirts for your kids to say, you know, I learn respect from your respect or I'm your mirror. Okay. Things that remind you on a daily basis that you are doing your best and that your kid is doing their best and that no matter what you can use compassion and love to heal each other. This is a process and we're going to hold each other's hands through it. 
Okay. So go there, check it out, get some books and start that journey now. And I really appreciate you listening and have a blessed day.